What's up, everybody? <laughs> What's up, everybody? You beat me to it. You beat me to it. All right, all right. We got a doozy of an episode for you guys tonight. This yeah. is a great one. You know, I learned so much. and uh, I have so many more questions. So many more questions. Yep. So we'll have to do it again soon. You guys, as you can see, Ed couldn't make it again today. That's all right. That's all right. He's uh, He'll be back soon. He'll be back soon. Real so soon. Um, anyway, guys, just real quick, if you want to support the show, if you get any value out of the show, um, we've been dropping some bangers lately. <laughs> <laughs> not, uh, on YouTube, not on PooTube, of course. Not on PooTube. So yeah, you know, like uh, obviously you're Please not, find us on not seeing us on YouTube. So yeah. Yeah, rockfin.com. It's not because we're gone. Result. It's just because they yep, don't yep, want yep, us there. And yep, exactly, you know. exactly. So most of our people are on the podcast. Like we, you know, most of the people are listening on, you know, yeah. whatever iTunes, Spotify, yeah, so yeah, yeah. whatever. But yeah, uh, rockfin.com. Yeah, totally truezilla. And uh, also, if you want any value for value donations, uh, truezilla.org forward slash donate. Um, we got awesome shirts up at the shirt shop. If you're new to the show, I know we're getting a flood of new folks. You know, which is super exciting. But if you get, if you want a nice, original, awesome Truezilla t-shirt. Or hoodies. Some, oh, our no, hoodies, hoodies are so super soft. Hoodie, you're going to need a good hoodie. We're coming into the fall. Yeah, we're coming into the fall. And uh, when they lock us down again, you're going to want a real good Truezilla hoodie for your... You for, go to Spiro <laughs> Gear and get yourself a beanie. Yes, Spiro, and come Spiro, to yep, truezilla.org forward slash shirts and yep. get a hoodie. Yep, yep, yep. And for, then put a, put a Fauci gave us AIDS t-shirt underneath. Yep, yep, yep. We have a Fauci <laughs> gave us AIDS shirt. Yep, go check it out. Yeah, uh, so Truezilla.org shirts and of course we got to plug our sponsors our really 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 good friends over at truth trs truth trs.com phenomenal trs spray if you're not familiar with trs it's just like you go in the mouth um, it's just, it's like just a restorative tasteless. life product. Yep, spray. It's restorative. Uh, zeolite product that binds to all the heavy metals in your body and then flushes out through your elimination channel. So basically, it's a heavy metal detoxification. Super legit. I'm so, using it. They're uh, using it. She's got her new shipment of it. Yes. You, you got a bottle of it uh, laying around? Uh, um, did you hand me that oh, one? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Here we go. Here we go. Here we go. Here we go. So ah, check it out, guys. So this is it right here. So thank you. Thank you. Truth TRS, Truth TRS. So you spray this, and then all the heavy metals go out your body, and you feel like a million bucks. It, like, it really makes a big difference. I'd probably be fumbling over this entire interview if it wasn't for Truth TRS. I'm just going to say, I'd be like, if you go back to our, okay, here's a great testimony. I was going to say, right go here. back and listen to me in particular. At go the back beginning. to episode two, one and two, and, and watch <laughs> us sitting there like, oh, blah, blah, blah. I have so many heavy metals in my body. But Truth TRS has solved that, and now I'm just on point. With Dr. Tom Cowan, okay, baby. I'm going to say you've always been on point. Uh, no, okay, no, 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 I, no, But all no, right. No, no. no. There's, there's been times I still do it too. I know, I'm like, the, I know uh, but the difference uh, with this. Yeah, I feel like my, my words are like right there. They're just right there. And Bam. I say all the time, the memory thing is such a huge yeah, thing with me. See, yeah, Everyone exactly. who's listened to us knows I've ha- struggled with depression exactly. lots. Um, and this has caused, I mean, it's it's literally been, and it's it's subtle so that all of a sudden one day you're like, oh, like I'm crisp. Oh, I'm not, yeah. the, what, what I've like literally lived all these years, I'm not living that now. Yeah. So it, it's it's there a beautiful go. product. There so. you go. So truthtrs.com. Oh, and uh, follow, them, follow, well, follow them also on Instagram. So okay. Instagram at truthtrs. Dropping lots of like fire memes lately. So at least go follow them on truthtrs on Instagram. I, so, stole, I stole one of those memes today from them. Yeah, that's all right. It's all right. <laughs> um, but speaking of Instagram, our good friend Cody. 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 At Cody's underscore crystals on Instagram. He's got all the coolest like gems and crystals and everything that you could possibly imagine. Um, he's doing his thing, man. He's a, he's a friend of the show. He really is. Um, really supported us and we wouldn't be able to do what we're doing today without him so cody big shout out big thanks if you guys also value for value you can go give that value to cody because he he, he helps make this show possible he really uh, does yeah yep. continuously. continuously so shout outs to you cody keep doing what you're doing love you man thank you so much and uh is that it i think so i think that's it all right guys enjoy the show Welcome to Truthzilla. I am Megan sitting here with my good friend Scott. Hello. Ed was so sorry he was unable to make it tonight. Such a trash. It is. Our guest today is Dr. Tom Cowan, a medical doctor, podcast host, and author of six books, including the paradigm-shattering bestseller, The Contagion Myth. Dr. Cowan has given countless lectures and workshops throughout the U.S. on a variety of subjects in health and medicine and has disrupted the establishment, standing in his truth that viruses are not the cause of disease, including COVID-19. Dr. Cowan, thank you so much for being here and welcome to the show. 
Thank you. It's good to be here. It's awesome, man. Um, yeah. So, you know, I'm sure a lot of our listeners are, are, are very familiar with the concept of, the, you know, terrain theory or the possibility that maybe there's something else going on besides the typical, you know, narrative that these are viruses causing all of this. But, um, you know, I know that there's so many other podcasts out there that we could reference people to that could get a background uh, to catch up. But I feel like it's useful to maybe just really kind of curious to know like maybe how your awakening to this new paradigm occurred um you know how far back does that go and and where when did you first start to see indications of it and when did you really take the plunge away from germ theory and into where, where you're at today um so basically uh, while i was going through medical school i i actually had the funny experience that I quote sort of knew I was supposed to be a doctor, but didn't really want to have anything to do with it um, because I, I didn't like the way they thought. <laughs> so then I joined the Peace Corps and taught gardening, and it was there I uh, uh, heard the work uh, about Rudolf Steiner and Weston Price, believe it or not, in Swaziland. And then I realized the type of doctor that I didn't want to be was not the only type of doctor there was. So that was a revelation for me. So at that point, I start studying food and, you know, what uh, anthroposophical medicine, that's the medicine of Steiner. And he, Steiner said a number of things about viruses and acute illness. Um, and so you can find contradictory things, but he referred to viruses as excretions of poison from the cell. And he didn't exactly say they don't cause disease because he, I think, waffled on that. But that was the first time I heard anything about there was another way to look at a virus. Uh, the, you know, and I didn't hear much about that. The anthroposophical medical people sort of don't believe it and they don't know what to make of it. So there, they were no help. But then I uh, ran into the AIDS thing. And one of the big revelations to me was, so I go four years in medical school, it's 1984. And, you know, we didn't have a lot about immunology, but we had some. And what you learn is that you, you know, it's interesting. So you, you get a virus and the virus lasts two weeks. And then you make IgM, which is nonspecific antibody, and that lasts two weeks. And then you make IgG, which is a specific antibody, and that rest, lasts the rest of your life. In other words, if you make antibodies, you're immune. The other interesting thing about that concept is apparently viruses and your immune system understand the concept of weeks. So I, that led me to propose that in order to lessen the duration of viral infections, we should change the week to five days, and then it would only last 10 days. And that's a little bit of a joke, but uh, nobody, took, nobody took me up on that. So, so we learned basically antibodies mean you're immune. And then 1984, a guy named Robert Gallo got the Nobel Prize for discovering that HIV causes AIDS, announces he finds the cause of AIDS. How does he know? Because he found antibodies to HIV, some people with HIV, not everybody. And that meant that they had this deadly virus. And I remember turning to my friend then and said, hey, who changed the rules? Because I just spent four years learning that antibodies mean you're immune. And now the guy told me that, it, that antibodies mean you have a deadly virus. Then, then hep C, how do they find that? Because you have antibodies. Then, you know, and the whole thing starts to basically not make any sense. So I started looking into HIV and AIDS and I discovered that nobody had ever uh, found an HIV, uh, which is the virus that supposedly caused AIDS, from any person with AIDS. That's a fact. In fact, there, I know I have a friend who, who offered a million dollars to anybody who could show an HIV directly from a person with AIDS. 
happen to know he's a very good businessman and he doesn't do things like that lightly and he still has his money. So 40 years later, uh, nobody has, has, has found an HIV particle that from anybody with AIDS. Uh, then I, I kind of forgot about the whole thing because it wasn't my thing. And I started tackling other controversial things like the heart doesn't pump the blood and gene, you know, cancer is not a genetic disease and vaccines are neither safe or effective. But I didn't really go back to the virus thing until this thing, which, which I mean, I knew enough that there was that they that there was no way this was a viral infection, and so I said uh, very publicly, which I didn't realize was even being taped, that viruses don't cause disease. At that point, I had to figure out the the field of virology because I had put myself under the gun, and I had to answer the question, which. I think is the question of this whole situation, which is how does a virologist prove the existence of a virus and show it caused disease? And here's what I found out. Uh, I don't know if, you're, if you want me to go through this because it's really the key to this whole thing. The, the thing is, you know, every human being alive should know the answer to that. You guys should know the answer to that. How do they find a virus and then show it caused disease? Here, here's what I found. No lay person that I asked knows how to answer that question properly. Here's another thing. No medical doctor I've ever asked knows how to answer that question. That's like a, a carpenter who you say, you know, can you build a barn with, you know, he says, you know, I want you to use a hammer and nail. And he says, what's a hammer? And most people wouldn't hire hire that guy to build their barn or a baker, you know, can, you know, how do you bake a loaf of bread? I don't know. I never saw bread before. Uh, the virologists know how to answer that, but they're not talking. So he, here's the way it goes. Uh, most people say the way you prove a virus exists is a lot of people get sick in the same place with similar same thing and that proves it's a virus. Or the uh, people get sick and then it spreads to the next place and that proves it's a virus. Or uh, there was nobody sick here and then somebody went there to the prison and then he was sick and then everybody got sick or at least tested positive and that proves it's a virus. Or Aunt Bessie went to church and then she got sick and so that proves it's a virus. Or all three of my kids got sick and that proves it's a virus. So number one, I can tell you, if you think any of those things, you, you know nothing about virology because those are called epidemiological observations. And the role of epidemiology is to generate theories or hypotheses, which then you can test. No virologist thinks you find a virus by seeing a bunch of sick people. Because if you think that, then you must think Hiroshima was a virus. Or if you think because it spreads, it must be a virus, you must think Chernobyl was a virus. For 200 years, they saw sailors getting sick on ships, one after another. They said it was contagious. And then eventually somebody ate a lemon or a lime, and the whole thing went away because they had scurvy. That berry, berry, pellagra, B vitamin deficiencies, they happen in the same family and they thought it was contagious and, and turns out it was the nutritional deficiency. So that is not the correct answer. And, and if you say that, you deserve to be laughed at because it's just stupid. So the next thing people say, and here's mostly medical doctors, they say, you take sick people, you look at, through some bodily fluid like their lungs or their blood or urine or something, and then you find this particle called a virus. Now, just, just let's back up a little bit. A virus is a thing, right? It's not like a feeling or an idea or something you just thought about in imagination. It's a particle 
as a protein coat and a genetic piece of genetic material in the inside. You can see them in an electron microscope. You can find them in solutions, right? That's clear. So you say, well, you look through the guy's blood or bronchial fluid or mucus or pus coming out of there or something, or, and you find a virus. I am here to tell everybody right now, there is not one published case in the medical literature of anything that you could call a pathogenic virus taken from one sick human or animal in the history of medicine. Not one. Now, let me just say this. Here are the people who agree with that, right? So that's, that's Tom saying. Number one, 84 health institutions of the various governments of the world have been asked, do you have a paper showing uh, SARS-CoV-2, that's the virus, of any person with COVID? Answer, no. 84 different ones. 25 different health institutions like the CDC and the Robert Koch Institute and you know, Louis Pasteur Center, the main virology places in the world, all acknowledge in writing there, there is no example of any pathogenic virus taken from any bodily fluid of any sick person. Here's another people who agree with that. The six people who wrote papers entitled The Isolation and Purification of SARS-CoV-2 from a Person with COVID in Australia, China, US, et cetera. When you ask them directly, did you find any virus from any sick person? They say no. Here's another people who agree with that. Every single virologist. Now, I was asked to present to the you know, main lawyers in the world that there is no virus and they were not happy with what I was saying. And so they invited a, viro a guy who was a you know, senior virologist at Wuhan Chinese Center for Disease Control, 20 years, Yale pathologist, 20 years, basically say Tom's an idiot. So I, I presented basically what I'm saying now. And then he said, no, there is SARS-CoV-2. So we said, has it ever been isolated from somebody who's sick? He said, no. We said, why not? He said, there's not enough to see, which is interesting because if there's not enough virus, then how is it making you sick? But anyway, so we asked him, and we means Andy Kaufman and I, we were together in this. I, we said, what about if you took 10 people and pooled their secretions? Not enough. 100 people, not enough. 1,000 people, not enough. 10,000 people, not enough. And then he wouldn't answer anymore. Uh, so if you think that you can find this particle called a virus from any fluid of any person who's sick, you basically are uninformed because nobody thinks that. Now, then, and, and just to say, it's not because you can't do it. You can find bacteriophages and things that are the size and complexity of viruses from bacteria cultures and from all kinds of sea algae. This has been done for 80 years. And there's thousands of reports of finding these kind of particles from different places. And this procedure is simple. It's like, make, it's like finding caffeine in coffee. You grind the coffee, you grind the tissue, you filter it, you centrifuge it, it comes out in a band, you suck the band out, you take an electron microscope picture, there's the virus. They, if they do that, they can't find any pathogenic virus. Now, here's the thing. So why are there approximately 10,000 papers written in the last 50 years or 60 years called the isolation of such and such a virus, including SARS-CoV-2, from a patient with measles or mumps or chickenpox or COVID. There are 10,000 papers with that title. So, and I've seen, <laughs> I've seen hundreds of them. So what are they talking about? 
how does that square with what I just said? So here's how it, here's what a virologist calls isolation. And here's how they prove the existence of a virus, right? Mm -hmm. you with me? Oh yeah. They take somebody who's sick. Now remember, we're looking for a particle, the size and shape with genetic material of a virus. They take, uh, and this started by the way, 1954 with a guy named John Enders. He got a Nobel prize for this discovery. They take somebody with, he took somebody with measles, he filtered their snot, which is not purification, didn't look at it. And then he mixed that with milk, horse serum, bovine amniotic fluid, something else, uh, fetal bovine uh, stuff. And then he smeared that on monkey kidney cells. Nothing happened. And then he took away the nutrients of the tissue culture. Nothing happened. And then he added uh, two antibiotics, uh, streptomycin and penicillin. And then the tissue culture broke down into lots of little particles, right? So he starved and poisoned the, the cells. They broke down and he said, that's the measles virus. Now, interestingly, he did a control where he did, he took the same stuff that he took the amniotic fluid, the, you know, the horse serum, smeared that milk, smeared that on kidney cells, took away the nutrients, added antibiotics, but didn't add anything with measles, right? And he says in his paper, the results were indistinguishable, which means that the breakdown of the kidney cells, which was the proof not a proof, I wanna be very clear, that's called the cytopathic effect is the proof in virology that there's a virus. That's how it, we prove with virology that the virus causes disease. It breaks down the cell culture. And he proved that the cell culture broke down even when you didn't add anything from somebody with measles. In other words, the reason it broke down was either the bovine am amniotic fluid or the antibiotics or the starving or something else in there, not the measles virus. And somehow that got overlooked. And to this day, it, every isolated virus, including SARS-CoV-2 is done. They take bronchial fluid, they filter it. That's not purification. They don't look at it then, so they don't know what they got. They add that to Vero cells, which are monkey kidney cells. They add fetal calf serum. They add two antibiotics. Now they add genomycin and amphotericin, which by the way, are two nephro, meaning kidney toxic antibiotics, like wink, wink, right? So that we're talking about kidney cells breaking down they take away the nutrients, that's called Del Beco's minimal nutrient medium. Then it breaks down. They see lots of particles. Some of them have black dots, which have been seen since the early 90s uh, that look identical to what are called SARS-CoV-2. And they say that proves the virus is, exists and causes disease. And every analysis of the genome is done on that culture. And, and you know, the group that I'm with, Stefan Lenka and Andy, we, we did that experiment again, and we didn't add anything with anybody from, from who had COVID or was sick. And it, the, kid, the tissue broke down in exactly the same way. So we've done it twice now. And that's the story. It's, a, it's just a fraud. It's a scientific fraud, simple as that. And every single uh, claim for finding the virus, the, the, the variants of the virus, the engineered virus, same thing. It's all done on these tissue cultures that are broken down. They never do controls. They do all the genome finding, the PCR tests, 
thing on, on, the, on the brew. And by the way, up until now, a vaccine was they just take the results of that cell culture and inject it in you and they call that a live virus. And frankly, folks, that's the whole story right there. Wow, that's powerful. You know, I mean, like, you mean you mean to tell me the medical establishment is deliberately committing fraud? Wow, no, couldn't <laughs> possibly be. Uh, or the scientists, the scientists, like to their benefit, right? So it's to their benefit to carry this narrative forward, right? Because they're extracting a lot of wealth and a lot of power out of it. Um, you know, it's it's come to the forefront nowadays, those who have eyes to see it. But so is this like just their way of, of exerting control over the scientific community by, ha by by carrying this narrative when it's clear that there's evidence to suggest completely the opposite? Like, is this a power and control thing or are people just ignorant? I mean, what, hap what happens is, um, you know, like if you presented this idea, which I have to virologists, they... They give, they, for instance, they'll show you pictures, uh, electron microscope pictures of these breakdown products and say, see, look, look at this. Now, th there's a few things to say about that. We know that you can find identical particles going back to the 70s as what they're calling coronaviruses. So that's not a proof. And second of all, they don't show you the whole uh, slide. Because the, the fact of the matter, folks, is uh, viruses are garbage that comes out of dying cells. Exactly what I said in the beginning. The, the analogy that I came up with, I don't know if you've heard it, but it's like you, you say, you, you, you go around your neighborhood and you look for paper strewn around the neighborhood. You don't find it. You know, a few bits of paper, labels, et cetera. And then you come back in a week and two of the old houses, there's, there's, a hun there's a thousand bits of paper on the lawn. So you say, what happened? Well, I know what happened. The paper that was not really there in the beginning, but it could have been there, injected itself in the house, reproduced itself, blew up the house, and you got all this paper scattered around the, around the, uh, the, the yard, right? Mm -hmm. That's what happened. Now, if I said that, you'd think I was that shit crazy because <laughs> that's obviously not what happened. And then a little boy comes along and says, by the way, mister, they blew up the house with dynamite. Um, now, that's viral theory. They say this particle that you can't see um, somehow injects itself into the cell, you know, subdues the cell, takes over the machine. It's like a rape scene, you know takes over the machinery of the cell, reproduces itself, blows up the cell, emerges victorious to claim its next victim. Like, that's, it's like weird. Uh, nobody has ever seen that sequence of events. Wow. But the entire narrative, so if you think about it, you're a, you're a virologist and you start thinking about this and you say, I think I'm going to go to my boss here and say, I, I, I think this is a bunch of bullshit. And, and then he says, he goes to the boss, he shows him the papers, he shows him the control. Guy says, you're right. And by the way, you're fired because you don't have a job anymore. Yeah. And he goes home to his wife and his wife says, well, what'd you do today? I said, I went to the boss and I told him this is all baloney, you know? And, and, and so what happened then? Well, he fired me. So what are you going to do now? Like we have bills to pay. And I don't know. I thought I'd figure it out. And so it's, it's like, you, it's like institutional blindness. Nobody, you know, it's like, it's the emperor has no clothes. Nobody wants to say it. Now, you know, do they know it? I mean, we, you know, the CDC yeah, says, yeah, we've never isolated the virus. And so you get people saying that. Now, you know, your question gets into the politics of it, which I mostly try to avoid. Sure, sure, sure. Because... I, I will. I can leave it to people for their their figure that out for themselves. My my role in this is there's no virus, there's no variants, there's no lab engineered virus. That was the patsy to throw off all the anti-vax people, you know, and make them think that there's some some like I caught them in this lie, you know, and so now they can go after them. 
Uh, there, and if they say there is, if you think there is, then show me the virus, engineered or otherwise. I'll, I'll believe it once you find it in a sick person, but they can't do it. They never do it. And in fact, most of them don't know how to do it. They don't even, they don't know the science here. And I mean, I, I would confess, I didn't either a few years ago, because I just do, I just, but once I, you know, stuck my foot in my mouth, I had to, I had to figure this out quick. So I could be fluent in virology. Now, you know, it's right. There's there's a lot you can say about why would they do this and all, but I mean, I think I have a sense of what the what the real COVID play is. And I think it's very interesting, but I could be wrong. But I think you can see where where the the core. Uh, play the core agenda really is and i don't know if you want me to talk uh, about we that. i think that i want to hear it from you almost more than anybody absolutely <laughs> so it, it turns out that just about everything we think in biology is incorrect and i can get into that in detail but but one of the things that's incorrect is i don't know if you know what the central dogma of genetics is but uh, nope so this came when we discovered erroneously, like if you ever read the paper where Watson and Crick, who, uh, you know, came up with the double helix for, for the DNA, if you read their paper, you think at the end of this, what the hell, you, they, they just guessed, like they just made a model to make this up. But anyways, the central dogma was DNA has genes, the genes code for RNA, and RNA codes for proteins. And it's a one-way street. Like proteins don't make DNA, proteins don't make RNA, it's a one-way street. Now, we know nowadays it's not true, but that's, that, was, that was genetics for you know 50 years. Now, the importance of that is we are made of proteins, right? You know, all the enzymes, our structure, you know, we are like your house is made of, of two by fours or whatever bricks, you know, and, and so a lot to do with the integrity of your house has to do with the strength and the quality of the wood and all that stuff. So the quality of a human being has a lot to do with the proteins. That's why supposedly the DNA is important, right? Because DNA makes RNA makes protein. And whoever controls the protein controls you, right? Because that's what you're made of. Now, so the theory is every protein is coded for by a gene, right? That's the, that's the central tenet of modern scientific genetics. So then they do the Human Genome Project, find 250,000 proteins, 30,000 genes. So we have a problem because how do 30,000 genes code for 250,000 proteins? Answer is <laughs> something's wrong here. So they say, well, the genes get rearranged and there's enzymes that do that. And there may be some of that, but that's another say 10, 20,000. So we have 200,000 proteins that are unaccounted for. And so where do they come from? Who, what, what's the code? Where, why, are, why do you make proteins? Um, now, the other interesting thing is the site that the proteins are made called ribosomes. And I don't want to get too much into this, but they don't exist. They're an electron microscope artifact. And there is also no way for the RNA to get out of the nucleus because it's too big and the nucleus has a membrane around it. So many parts of this uh, genetic dogma are flat out incorrect. So the question gets into, so how do we make proteins? Where, what's, the, what's the code? What determines how you make proteins? Now, I'm not saying I can prove this in a court of law, but I have very good evidence and I, I don't wanna get into it right now that the proteins are made de novo, which means anew, 
based on the, the crystal water in your cytoplasm takes energy that is, down, is actually downloaded or that DNA function as antennas. And so they take thoughts and feelings and sunlight and you know, radiation from the earth and animals, et cetera. They collect that energy, transfer it into the water. The water changes its configuration and with no code needed, you make the proteins that make up you. And your, your system for doing that is different from Megan's and different from Ed's and different. It's, it's, you know, there's common and then there's, that's who you are. And so that's what's called, that's what's called freedom. It's an interaction of like the energy of the world being collected by your DNA, downloaded into water. The water changes its configuration, collects amino acids from the, from the cytoplasm and makes what you need to live. That's called freedom. Now, the people who are running this don't like that system. They want to inject you with a piece of RNA and make that make the proteins that they want. They want to control the proteins that you make, at least one of them. Now, then, then once it'll be one, it'll be two. Next thing you know, they, whoever's putting RNA sequences into your body is controlling the proteins that you make, in which case you're finished as a free individuality. You are a controlled structure and function by somebody who may or may not have your best interest at heart, at heart right? Now they have the reasons they say that'll make you make this protein called an antibody, but there's no evidence that antibodies have anything to do with this. So they're, they're trying to control your proteins. Controlling the proteins is controlling you. And that's the story here. That's what, to me, that's what this is all about. Now, the bad news is- Now for the bad news, they, oh, okay. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> the bad news is, and that's why they, see, it doesn't, well, let's get to the good news. The good news is it doesn't work like that. So, so, so that's why they have to put these, RNA sequences into do heroic things like put them in nanoparticles and stick graphene in there and put other nanoparticles in there to stabilize them because it doesn't work like that. That's not how we make proteins normally. It, it, is, it is a possible system. There are some RNA codes that will make proteins, it seems. And so they're trying to make it work, right? By that's the technology of an mRNA vaccine, so-called vaccine. It's not, it's not got anything to do with immunity. It's got everything to do with, you know, controlling your protein synthesis. It's synthetic biology. So you become a synthetically made, you know, so-called person. Uh, the good news is it doesn't work like that. The bad news is they're trying real hard to get it to work like that. My guess is mostly they can't right now. But they're trying, they're trying hard to get it to work. And I think that's what that's the play here. Because if that happens, that's a irretrievable world that I don't know what that even looks like. Yeah, whether or not it, this round it works or not, you know, it seems like at least they're normalizing it. They're normalizing and setting up the yeah. infrastructure for uh, us to just be like, okay, yeah, well, whatever. I just need my shot to go to the store, you know, this is the monthly shot. And of course I need to scan my little QR code before I can leave my house and all this stuff, right? So that's that's the play, to normalizing it, you know, um, just, just they, I, we're in the- They're normalizing the idea that somebody should control what you make. Yeah. And frankly, you know, I'd rather have 
whatever, however, you know, however I'm created and my water and my interaction with my cat and my wife and the sun and out of that food that I eat and the energy and the music and the emotions that I'm exposed to, I create my life. Yes. That's what I want. And I may make mistakes and maybe it'll kill me. I mean, I don't know, yeah. but I'm willing to take that chance because yeah. that's what's called uh, life. Yeah. Yes. And obviously I want to try to find out what'll make the healthiest proteins and the healthiest water. And I want to be exposed to the healthiest frequencies and the healthiest sounds and birds and, you know, purring cats, whatever, right? That's called life. Yeah. And then you, out of that, you take what you need and make your life. I don't want somebody telling me, Tom, you're, you're supposed to make this. Mm. And that's what's been normalized. Now it's good. That's the way life should be. You'll be better. That's called, and, and it, frankly, the people who are behind this are very open about this. People need to be engineered to be upgraded so that they're better, you know, humanoid, humanoids or something. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I don't, I, I like the, the old system. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. You know, and when we're getting into some of this, like their philosophy, like we talk sometimes on the show about like the overall inversion of reality, mm -hmm. the inversion of so many yeah. things that are a part of this, you know, mm -hmm. when we're talking on like a spiritual or like an esoteric or, you know, the forces of good and evil, you know, part of their philosophy is the inversion of everything. And just like, you know, one of the things that, that when you were describing the, the cellular processes, like, you know, how the, the, the narrative is that the virus comes in and it attacks the cells and does all the damage and then goes off. But like what you're saying is that it's literally like the invert, like they've inverted the actual process where, where the virus is what's produced from this process. You know what I mean? Does that make sense? Yeah. Like it's literally they've taken what's natural and inverted it to fit their narrative. Like everything. You know? yeah, like the everything. Gar the yeah. virus is just pieces of garbage. Yeah. I will admit that you know, you can learn something about somebody from looking through their garbage, right? So sure. this guy likes organic food and this guy likes, you know, eats Doritos because they have bags of Doritos in his garbage. But I mean, that's it. That's that's studying garbage. And then they study the, the exact chemical composition of what the Doritos wrapper was made of. And they know it down to the, you know, the, the atom. And, and so that's what happens to these people. They, they say, your job, you see this garbage here? It's got a bunch of Dorito wrappers in it. You figure out what a, the D of Dorito is made of. Well, it's got some ink. Oh, so now I got a test for ink, right? So I find ink in somebody. It must be that this guy ate Doritos. And, and he, he's totally into it and gets prizes and paid. And, you know, he, nobody says to him, you don't you think this just just because the guy ate a lot of Doritos, <laughs> threw it away in his garbage. There's nothing more to it than that. There's, there's nothing more to this. The variants, the engineered virus, the lab created virus, the PCR tests. Uh, it's all just studying garbage. It has nothing to do with health. Yeah, that's hilarious. You know, that's that's another thing I wanted to bring up at some point. I know you have some history with Kerry Mullis, you know, the late, great Kerry Mullis, uh, man who invented the PCR test. And I'm kind of curious what, so right now at my work, at my work, they're, they're doing this, we're here in Oregon, right? So it's one of these, and you're right, New York, right? You're in New York. So yeah, yeah so so you got, you know, Belly we're both seeing, we're both seeing like very much extreme examples of where this is headed in our country. And so at my work, or here in Oregon, the governor just mandated uh, vaccination, mandatory vaccinations for all healthcare workers. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I don't, not necessarily in healthcare, more like mental health, but I think our facility qualifies for that. So it's going to be mandatory vaccines or weekly PCR tests, right? Or weekly tests. And uh, I'm curious in the lens or through the context of terrain theory, how can I dispute the validity of a PCR test. Cause we have all the, we have all the, the, the arguments about the cycle thresholds and all that, you know, we can talk about that all day long. Is there a separate set of arguments that I can Im impose and through the context of terrain theory possibly as to the, 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 the yeah, validity of them? I, I would forget about that. Okay. Here, here's the whole thing with the PCR test. Okay. 
A PCR test, first of all, is not a test. It's a manufacturing tool to mm. make more pieces of DNA. Terry Mullis is very clear on that. But the theory is you have, you have found this virus, right? And found the entire genome of the virus. Therefore, you can take the genome of the virus that you found and, and find out if there's a piece, of, a, un, a piece of that that's unique to that virus. That's the whole principle. So there's two premises. One, you found the virus, so you know that this piece of it came from the virus, right? You can't find, you can't say this piece of something, anything, came from the bigger whole unless you've analyzed the whole. You can't say this piece of hoof came from a unicorn unless you've analyzed a unicorn. You can't say this passage of to be or not to be came from Hamlet, I think, unless you have Hamlet first. That's called logic. That's called common sense. That's called how human beings think. Now, the original paper that came up with the sequences said quite clearly, we never had an example of the virus. Therefore, there is no way they know that that's any of these PCR sequences could have come uh, belonged to this virus because they never had the virus. And the second of, of, of the premise is, they say that it's also unique to this virus. Now, first of all, that means you've had to test every other thing that has genetic material to find out that a hamster doesn't have it and we don't have it and other bacteria don't have it because you're testing samples that have you know, bacteria and fungus and human cells. It turns out that if you do a blast search, which is a search for the database of the world, there's 93 other there's 93 sequences in the human genome that match to the PCR primers. Means we've proven that it's not unique to anything imaginary like a virus. There's 91 different bacteria or fungus that have all those sequences. And so it doesn't meet either one of those criteria. It's, it doesn't, you can't say that it came from a virus because you never, you admittedly didn't have the virus to look at. You can't say this, you know, this stand came from a computer unless you first had a computer. That's just how human beings think. And we don't, and we know it's not unique to that virus. So there is no false positives. There's no false negatives. It's just false. And, and, and anyway, so as far as your situation, there is no science of a PCR test. And there, there is no uh, virus that you're so-called becoming immune to. And so there's no science behind this, this suggestion. Now, what to do about it becomes political, right? So mm -hmm. maybe that's not so much for me, but sure. uh, you know, all I, my role in this, as I see it, is you know, there's no logic, there's no common sense, there's no science in any of those di dictates. It's purely political. So I would try to fight it on that basis. Oh, we're ready for a fight, baby. <laughs> peacefully, peacefully demonstrating, but we're, we're, yep, yep, yep. We're allied with Oregonians for medical freedom and we're gonna, we're gonna do something. Yeah. Um, I have a question that's a little bit of uh, switching gears. Um, I was wondering if you could touch on the relevance and importance of 5G and electrosmog yep, yep, in yep. all of this. I mean, you know, so if my model is correct, which I have a lot of evidence that it is, the way that we work is we have uh, essentially these DNA, which are shaped like, they're what are shaped like antennas. And they're, they have, they're embedded in water and they make something called DNA water. 
And that DNA water is the code. It's, it's a unique arrangement of water that essentially derives the whole show and specifically tells you what proteins to make. Now, that system evolved uh, by interacting with all the natural frequencies of the world, right? The moon and the sun and emotions and animals and everything. All those come in, they're, they're never single frequencies, right? They're not 520 Hertz. They're many, many different frequencies and they're all continuous, not pulsed, right? Because that's the way the world is. And that's how we evolved to, to, to extract meaning from energy or waves. Now, here's the thing, whether it's 5G or 1G or radio waves, in order to get your radio to work, you, can't, you have to make it a single frequency and it has to be pulsed and high intensity. You can't tune your radio to just frequencies. You tune it to 98.3. That's a single frequency. And so then the radio acts like your DNA and picks up the, the wavelength, that specific pulsed wavelength at that frequency and converts that into meaningful information i.e. sound, right? That, and so that mo that's essentially a, mo a, a sort of modeled on how we work. But the problem is that's good for radios, but that's not how we work. So radio waves, you know, are, act like poison. They break down your DNA. They break down that system. And then, but that wasn't so bad. I mean, it was bad enough. And then they go more and more. And finally, you get to high pulsed, very specific frequency, you know, high intensity millimeter waves called 5G, which are the most intense human beings have ever ex been exposed to. And they work also, like everything does, on that system and basically break it down and create all the symptoms that people are seeing right now. And so it, it's not like a, some sort of mystical process. It's that we're, we're not used to biologically being exposed to single, single frequency, high intensity wavelengths. It's not part of normal biology. And if you do that, you're likely to cause damage. And the hot, stronger you do it, the more intensely you do it, the more frequently you do it, the longer duration, the worse it gets. And this is as bad as it's ever been. Yeah, wow. Yeah, I mean, I just, and so you were speaking earlier, like this being the fact that they're injecting us with things that are affecting our ability to create the proteins in conjunction with the, this, the, the radio frequencies that they're putting out. I mean, this is a recipe for disaster. Um, yeah, they're yeah. putting in signals that, human beings you know again it's 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 like a radio you have you have to have a properly functioning antenna right it and that converts and so people say you know often say to me yeah but there can't be any harm to 5g because you don't feel it or see it i mean right so you you can't they can't possibly have a radio work because you can't see or feel a radio wave right which is nonsense. Of course it works. That, that's like, but you have to tune it and it has to, you have to have an antenna and a download apparatus, whatever that is, in a radio. And then it converts it into something else. Now with the radio, it's music or sound. And with humans, it goes through water and it makes proteins. But it's really the same system. And so Nobody could convince me that if you put an aberrant signal in your radio, you get static, right? If you don't make it 99.3 or whatever, you just do frequencies, you know, that it's not used to, you don't get what you're looking for, which is music. And that's what's happening with us. And so we call that sickness. You're distorted.
your proteins are distorted, your structure is distorted, your, you know, your brain is, is 80% water instead of 70. So you can't create thoughts or feelings and, you know, you're a distorted radio. Yeah, absolutely. So do you have any suggestions for the listeners? Is there anything they could do to take charge of their health today and possibly min minimize the effects of the radiation and or the, the, uh, the, you know, the, the altered proteins, RNA, or, you know, I'm sure we have folks out there that have taken these injections. Is there anything in your estimation that can help uh, alleviate some of that? Any health practices or anything like that? Diet, anything? You know, I, mean, you know, I, I obviously I've, I've written books about that and, uh, yeah. you know, but what I would say now is every human being right now should ask themselves like every day, what does it mean to be a human being? What does a human being do? How, what do they, you know, how does a day of a human being look like? And, you know, I think there are some answers to that, like human beings move, right? So if you're sitting on your butt all day, getting weaker and weaker, and you never do anything that moves your body in any meaningful way, you're going to have trouble. And human beings eat food that, you know, comes that's, you know, here's, here's a way to think about food. People say, Tom, so you mean I should read labels? And I say, no, because if it has a label, don't eat it. Oh, right? that's the best like advice carrots I've ever heard. don't have labels. <laughs> so the label, you, don't eat it. You might say carrot. And, and even, you know, uh, meat doesn't need, you, you know, that's a chicken. And assuming there's nothing else and the chicken had a good life and the carrot had a good life and that's an apple yeah. and that's a chicken and that's turmeric because I know what turmeric looks like. You eat those things and if you can't see what it is, then don't eat it and know where your water's coming from. And then there's a whole, you know, like, I mean, I don't have any wireless devices. That's that's one of the things that I do. I don't have a awesome. cell phone. People ask me why. I say, uh, my cell phone got a virus and I didn't want to get sick. So, <laughs> yes, uh, that's awesome. So, you know, th that's because I ask my, you know, human beings interact with other human beings, right? They play and have sex and talk and play games and, you know, have dinner and go for walks, you know, all kinds of things. If you're not doing that, you're not living a human life and mm. you're going to get in trouble. They do socialize, they move, they eat food, they drink water from, that comes out of a spring. You know, there's, I can make a whole list. They, they create music and poetry and you know what I mean? Everybody can answer that question for themselves. And if you're not doing that, that's the place to start. Wow, that's that's such Incredible powerful advice. advice. Yeah, I can't is. even like like wow. I'm, I'm just it puts it into such a really great perspective. And like you say, just waking up each day, and that's such a uh, impactful thing. The what does it mean to be a human? I talk all the time about all of this that we're going through, and and the aim seeming to be to take us away from our organic humanity, from our ability to psychologically and mentally and emotionally be who we are and to have these interactions with other people in a healthy way in the way that we were created to do so that's that whole inversion that's part and and, and you're hitting on that too but the fear and the, and the mm. you know the keeping us separated from each other and telling us not to touch and not to talk and not to sing these all of these things contribute to the, the breakdown um, of our yeah. individual systems right I mean, the first thing I do now when I wake up is I, I mean, I wash my face in very cold water, but um, I, I like doing that. That's a good thing to do. Just dunk your head in cold water, ice cold water. And then I go and feed the chickens and the sheep and the, and the kittens. And it's amazing what you learn, you know, like you, you just learn how to interact with them and what they're thinking. And they all have different personalities. And you say to yourself, like the, the sheep, every time I come, they, they, they sort of look up and, and think, you know, is there danger? And I think, what the hell is the same person coming day after day? <laughs> what do you, what do you think's going to happen? <laughs> and, and, and,
you, you end up having a living relationship with this other being and you start thinking about how they live and what they're thinking. And I mean, that's what humans, there's, it's called shepherds. They've been, you know, interacting with sheep and learning habits and dogs, cats, and for, I don't know, thousands of years. And it's amazing how, how enriching it is. And it even helps your microbiome because they give you good bacteria. And, you know, that's called human life. Yeah. Well, that's the cell. Looking self- at a picture of a cat on a video, mm. that's not human life. Right. You don't know anything about cats when you do that. Right. And that's the big thing that they have. And I feel like, you know, I saw it a lot in my generation where they made all of these things that I have now rediscovered to be so beautiful. My feet in the dirt and growing things in the ground and holding my pets and kissing their faces and just hanging out with my kids. That somehow became the boring thing, the thing that wasn't of interest somehow throughout the years. And now that we turn our devices off, now that we actually have opened our eyes, I look and I see the magic the literal magic in all of the things happening all around me. And it's on such a, a level and it's uh, it's so many layers thick. I'll never weed through all of it. And, it. and it's just, it's constant, this energy of the earth, these other living beings, all of my interactions, things growing, my hands and all of it. It has enriched my life. I mean, mm. and we've said this many times on the podcast, but over the last couple of years, having to deal with all of this and having to, you know, we've sat in front of these microphones to, to give a platform to the truth, to be out there for other people. But it's also helped to uh, reset my life in a way that maybe would mm. not have been reset yeah. in terms of just yeah. realizing what it is actually that throughout the years they have tried to turn us away from yep. all of the beauty of this creation and all of the magic and wonder of the everyday quote unquote interactions that nobody looks at anymore. Right. And so maybe in a funny sort of way, they're actually spiritual guides yeah. who are t- telling us, look, you guys, you better reconnect with humanity or you're in trouble. Right. Because uh, because that's the truth. If we don't reconnect with our humanity, it's trouble and it's not kidding anymore. Mm -hmm. And so that's the beauty of this because there are lots of people like you guys who say, no, this is, I I don't, this isn't right. I'm going to reconnect my children, my dogs and, and make a human life. And that it's about time we did that. Amen. 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 So maybe Bill Gates and Klaus Schwab, they're just trying to force thrust this evil upon us in order to bring about a new awakening. So thank you, Klaus Schwab. Thank you, Bill Gates. There you go. (laughs) Well, again, against their better intents. (laughs) Dr. Cowan, are there any final thoughts you'd like to leave with our listeners today? I mean, not really. I think we got the gist of it. So good, dude. So powerful. I wanted to give you an opportunity, though, to uh, send our listeners to, I know you have a podcast, too. Maybe, uh, yeah, anything, if they wanted more information, where to get your books. Best place to find your book, yeah. Yeah, there's a drtomcowan.com. That's pretty much the central clearinghouse for all. Awesome. All things Dr. Cowan. So awesome. Yeah. Well, we'll definitely uh, refer our folks to it. And just, you know, just really want to thank you so much for sitting here with us today. Thank you very much. It really is quite an honor. It is. And uh, hopefully maybe we can catch up on better times somewhere down the road. (laughs) All right. You guys take care. Thank you. You too. Thanks so much. Have a wonderful evening. Good Good night. Woo! I thought we would do it. We should just always include all the high fives. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, the high fives and everything. How about this? Woo! Woo! All right. How you feeling? That I mean, (laughs) that was good. That was good. That was good. I was a little nervous going into it. I gotta admit. Okay. but you know, we did it. We got it, man. Like, like I feel like there's like a just, million rabbit holes we could. So go many down rabbit holes. Him. I mean, I have so many notes that we didn't even. Yep, yep. Didn't even go down any of it. You know, I know. I saw you wrote down the heart doesn't pump blood. Question mark. Hmm. I think he's got a whole book on it too. Yeah, so he does. Say, he has like, some books book I actually have so, in my in my buy so, list. So yeah, dude. So oh man, but that's so cool. You know, and it just makes so much sense. It just that rings true, and that's in alignment with everything else we know about these evildoers. We just, you know, and and we say all the time that the truth sounds like the truth it looks and feels and smells and sounds like the truth that's why when you have discernment when you hear the truth or you hear 
tidbits of the truth, it yeah. ignites inside of you as a human being. You yeah. can recognize that. You know, we said yeah. all all along you can bury the truth underneath the foundation of lies, yeah. but that can't stand because at the foundation of that is the truth. That makes sense. I, I mean, mean we're, we're at a we're at a whole new whole new ball game. If they're like trying to get, I mean, you know, they're trying to get to our breath. They're trying to affect our water. You know, that's what that was really. I doing. hadn't gotten to that part in the book yet, but yeah. I'm interested about you know him talking about the proteins and manipulating yeah. the proteins yeah. because that's the first time. Uh, I mean, I've actually visualized the, you know, the implications of that. Yeah, it's, it's insane. It's diabolical. It's insane. Talk about slavery, global slavery. You know, Man. the whole idea of terrain theory. Like we were talking about this before. Like I didn't want to necessarily say it to him, but I think there's a good, it's a fair parallel. It's a fair parallel. You know, like like this whole like this is one of those paradigm shifting things. Like you have to like relearn or reconsider everything you've ever known in your whole life. Right. Which is like part of the awakening process. And there's a lot of points where. People along the way, that's where people fall off is when they approach a topic that's like, okay, nope, I'm not going there at all. Mm -hmm. And they just, and we just go back to, you know, being the sheep or right. whatever. Right. And, and sometimes people encounter that very early on. There's like that, they start to question things. And then there's like one piece of information that Doesn't is drive. just so far out that it's just like, nope, not going there. And so like, to me, like this is the, the parallel I made. It's like, okay, walking up, like, okay, I feel like germ theory is to round earth as terrain theory is to flat earth. And I only say, I'm not saying... That not to compare them. No, no, no. I'm not saying the terrain, terrain theory is But just flat how earth. the average person yeah, would accept yeah, exactly. it. Exactly. Like I'm mm -hmm. saying, you walk up to your average person on the street and you'd be like, hey, the earth is round. And they'll be like, yeah, of course. You walk up to a person on the street and they say, viruses cause disease. And they'd be like, yeah, of course. But if you walk up to somebody and say, hey, the earth is flat, they'll be like, whoa, you're crazy. Get out of here, conspiracy theorists. And you walk up to somebody and you say, you know, viruses do not process. cause viruses do not cause disease. Right. And there's a whole other process that happens. They'd be like, whoa, get out of here, you crazy person. So it's like, right. it's one of those things that it's like, this is something that now, you know, uh, I haven't read this book yet, but I want to. But it's like, but it's, I'm not. I'm not trying to say anything other than the fact that it's like this is one of those earth-shattering things. But it makes it so makes much sense. sense. Well, when we look at how, and we say of this course. all the time, the Matrix just keeps revealing itself. Yeah. Everything we know is a lie. We say it all the time. Course, everything, everything we know is a lie. But we don't. There's there's things that we don't even realize are a lie. When we say yeah. everything, then we get into the next part of yeah. what everything is, and we're yeah. like, oh, that actually fits into the rest of everything yeah, that makes, we're, you know. Yeah, it makes sense because we know everything is a lie that they say, and so we're of having to back engineer be, all this. Yeah, just back. You know what I mean? Yep. And so reverse engineering the truth. Reverse engineering the truth. Reverse engineering the truth, engineering the truth because they tell us what the truth is, and we're like, nope, that is not true. So we have to go. Okay, so then we just have to look that at the That is why we opposite. are domestic terrorists, Scott. Yep, 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 exactly. Yep, <laughs> yep. So anyway, wow. Wow. Yeah. All right, everybody. Well, uh, that was Dr. Tom Cowan, his newest book, uh, Contagion Myth. Yeah. Please go and find that. He says you can go to drtomcowan.com. Yeah. Is it Dr. Tom I think Cowan? It's Okay, yeah, yeah. drtomcowan.com. Dot com and we'll have all of that in the notes. Yep. Uh, we sure did miss Ed. Yeah, I, I want to say oh this is Ed's a hero, and yeah. like he he was so looking forward to talk, talking to him, and it just didn't work out. Yeah, no, um, dude, so just... hopefully we'll have him back, and Ed totally. will be here for it. So, totally. anyways, Absolutely. everybody, until next time, I'm Megan, sitting here with my good friend Scott, missing Ed, missing and we Ed. wish all of you intellectual prosperity. Good night. Beep, 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 beep. Couple pews for Ed. Beep, 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 beep. Ding.